Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll continue a part two study of the way of Cain. We'll be in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. This is the first half of this two-part study. So there was no pleasure in Cain's offering. Remember what we talked about is Cain was... As he, as he brought the offering, Cain was trying to redefine what worship was going to be to God. And, and, and that is with the simple fact that, that he was going to not bring a blood sacrifice. He brought fruit from the fields, right? And, and so it was unacceptable to God. It was offensive. It was disrespectful. It was not a small matter. So when we talk about the worship of God, it, we talk about the, uh, the ultimate purpose that you were made. And we also talk about the time, talent, and treasure of your offering. Um, one of the things we know is in Micah chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, it says, Her, head, uh, her heads judge for a bribe, her priests teach for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, It is not the Lord among us. No harm can come upon us. Therefore, because you, uh, because you, Zion, shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. When we talk about what we do with our service to the Lord, whether it's our time, our talent, and our treasure, right? It should be everything that we do unto the Lord should be done at like we have to think of it as you bringing an offering to God. So whether you're working in children's ministry or you're doing sound or you're doing worship or the words, it's unto the Lord that you're doing it. And we want to do it in the, in the best ability. I know even for myself, I put a lot of time in doing this because it's not a performance. And that's the difference. That's one of the things we have to talk about is like when we talk about the presence of God or the performance of God. Like, well, what do you want to do? Are you trying to perform for everybody? Or you want the presence of God in what you're doing? So if I'm, if I'm teaching, I want the presence of God to be the, at the forefront of what I'm doing. If you're doing children's ministry, you want to be, have the, the presence of God as you teach the kids. And that's the same for worship or sound or whatever we do in our youth. It is the presence of God. It's not performance. It's an offering that you're bringing unto the Lord. And I don't think we look at it in that capacity because it's your time, your talent, your treasure. And we see when we look at Micah, they were, they were just doing, 
You know, it says her priests teach for pay. But I want you to catch what they say. They say, yet lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? They thought, hey, we have God. We're doing what we're supposed to do. But you're doing it with the wrong heart. And that's what Cain was doing. And Cain, Cain wanted to, to, to do things his way. He wanted to, to change the way that, that, that they were going to come before God and not provide a, a blood sacrifice. We have to think about the offering that we have. Is it acceptable or unacceptable to God? Are we leading others to believe that God was looking on the heart and the attitude of the worshiper and, and, and the offering? It's like even in, in worship, man is capable of deviant behaviors and attitudes. And Cain shows that, and it, it's been conform, uh, uh, confirmed in church history. We see it time and time again. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Catch that. He's telling you it's better for you to obey than to bring some sacrifice, some offering. I would rather you obey and be the mom and dad that you've been called to be than be somebody who's performing here at the church. That's what we're supposed to do when we think about the offering. That's what God is saying. He's like, I would rather you be obedient. There's blessings in that. And David gives the, the proper offering as well in 2 Samuel Verses 24 and, uh, and verse, or chapter 24, verse 24 and 25. It says, Then the king said to Aaron, uh, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor why I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered a burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the, the prayers of the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. He said right there, plain and simple, that the Lord my God, I will not offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. That cost me nothing. And that's something that we have to think about is when we come to, to prepare for service, are we coming... And just doing it and giving what type of burnt offering? When you're in your time of prayer, what type of offering are you giving to God? When you're in your time of the Word or you're, you're looking at your, your, your money, how is that affecting your offering to God? All of that stuff. You have to look at it like if He's your Lord, it affects every area, including when we serve in the church. In Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, it says, for you, do not, uh, for you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will, not, you will not despise. And then finally, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it tells us to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because you may go, well, wait a minute, that was Cain and Abel. That doesn't affect me because we don't have to bring offerings to God. But he tells you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's what he's asking from us. But do you catch the second part? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. He's telling you first you have to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable with reasonable service. And then you're not supposed to be conformed to the world. You should stand out. And it should affect your marriage, it should affect your family, it should affect your community, it should affect this church. If we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, what type of sacrifice are you presenting? Because we have a lot of people that attend church, and they're just coming because it's a religious activity that they do. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says, Having a form of godlessness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. We have to be careful, we have to notice this. We have, to be, we have to understand that there are a lot of people that are acting one way on Sunday, but acting completely different the rest of the week. And so God is not happy. He did not respect Cain and his offering. And what happens with Cain? He gets angry. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. See, Cain was a little jealous about what happened with his brother. Because his brother's offering was accepted. But now he he gets angry and he's upset, but his countenance falls, his face goes down. And in the Hebrew, the word means to have a face like an animal, meaning that you can tell that something's not right. And some of y'all try to eat your anger and you can see it on your face. You know you're upset. Man, that drives me crazy. Sometimes my wife will tell me, what's wrong? I can see. I can see it. And I'm like, man, I'm trying everything I can (laughs) to keep it in and not let it come out. (laughs) But now I need to work on this part now. It's like, okay, Lord, this is the next step that I need to work on is my countenance. We're always learning. But one of the things that's really sad is that he was angry and he's also jealous at, at, at his brother. And the Lord gives him a question, a rhetorical question. In verse 6, he says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? I want you to pay close attention to this because these next four verses, you're going to see God give mercy and mercy and mercy. and He gives them every opportunity to walk away from the sin. And Cain won't do it. He won't do it. And some people, pridely, you know, their pride is just, it, it takes them completely away from God, unfortunately. That's how some people are. They're just so prideful. They, I mean, even I, I, you know, people end up in jail. I ha- I've had friends that have come out of jail. And man, they're all on fire for God. And then man, within three months, they're back to selling drugs. And then they're back in jail again. And it's like, man, what is going on? You gotta, I mean, what, what is it going to take? How broken do you have to get? And, and so we see, why are you angry? Why are you angry? God knows why he's angry. God is showing mercy by asking the question. He knows the deepest things that are going on in, a, in, in Cain's heart and our heart. You're not hiding anything from him. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And John 16, 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, and righteousness 
in judgment. Cain, why are you angry? Cain's anger is out of control. And Cain's anger is very close to going from anger to wrath to murder. And the devil is loving it. And you have to ask yourself the question is, what did Adam and Eve teach their kids? Did they teach them about Satan? Did they teach them about what happened in the garden? Did they ever share with their kids how awesome it was to walk in the garden in the afternoon with God? And here Cain is, he's prideful, bringing an offering that, that goes against what God requires, a blood sacrifice. I'm going to create whatever I want and do this how I want. What did mom and dad teach him? The devil loves it. The devil loves it when you get angry. And he wants you to think you got righteous anger. Oh, I'm allowed to be upset. You can't control your anger. No, you shouldn't be upset. I hear people tell me that all the time. Well, there's, uh, there's such thing as righteous anger. To a point. Because most of us can't maintain it. We can't maintain it. Eventually, anger turns to sin. Because it's no longer righteous. It may be right in that moment. But eventually, your flesh is going to come out. We had that happen at my last church. We had somebody come in and said he was a prophet. And over, over a period of time, he went, we had, I was in the men's, I was teaching men's. And over a period of time, he went from, because we would break up and do prayer or break up and talk about the study. And he would, each group he would go to, he would say that Joe wasn't teaching properly. That he was teaching unbiblically. And I've been with Pastor Joe since 2009. I've never heard him share anything where I go, never. So he comes to me and he tells me. Your pastor's not teaching properly. He's teaching things that, are, that goes against the Word of God. And so I was like, okay, well, can you tell me when it happened? Because I do the radio. So I would have heard it. Because I hear each teaching three times. Sunday, both services, and then radio, I hear it again. I haven't heard anything. Couldn't give me the example. Now, he didn't know as, as he'd gone from place to place to talking to different people, this was already coming to us already. We knew that he was having a relation that was, sexual, that was sexual immorality, and yet he was calling him a prophet of God. We went to Joe's office because I was like, if anybody has anything to say about my senior pastor, that's the authority I fall under. So I said, Joe, I got somebody we need to go talk because they don't agree with something that, we, that was taught. And so we went Wednesday night. And sure enough, he started, they started talking, and Joe finally let them know, you know, hey, this is not, you're not a prophet. It's not coming from God. And homeboy got upset and stood up like he was going to do something. Now, I got kids, and then I have the kids from the church, and this is all happening where the children's ministry is. Now, at some point, there was righteous anger, because when I had to escort that man out, out, and push him out the door, it was fine. But as we got outside the door, that's when my military kicked in. And I'm like, I'm going to take his shin out. I'm going to knock him down to the ground. I need to let him know that you messed with the wrong person. And at that point, thank God, there was another pastor there. Because he goes, I got it, Mike. Go back inside. So righteous anger is good to a point. Because eventually your flesh will come out. And you have to be very careful with it. People think, oh, I can be, I'm righteous, I'm right. It's like, is it worth the argument? If you, know, if you know that God's giving you that and it's right, is it worth? Now, if it's a safety thing, yes, it's worth it. 
But again, when I look at righteous anger, I'm like, I think Jesus was the only one who could really do it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think any human man can do it. I know we can't because we, once we get going, we're going. In James chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He's angry. It's going to turn into wrath, and it will not produce righteousness. The Apostle Paul gives us wisdom on how to handle anger. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. It's like, if you're going to be upset, you need to deal with your sin. Deal with the sin. What's going on? What's got you upset? Right? Let's deal with it. And if, you, if you've stepped in or, or said something that you shouldn't have said, then you need to own that, confess it, and repent. Deal with it. Don't let it carry overnight. Because when it carries overnight, it sits in the heart. And the devil, as soon as you wake up, it's going to start playing like a rerun over in your head over and over and over. And that's what the devil wants. Because that's when the devil has the opportunity to grab a hold of you. And then you go from anger to gossip to wrath at some point. You can go to wrath. I mean, you, 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 you get into a lot of stuff. And that's what the devil wants. He, don't, he wants you just not to be angry. He wants to start getting all these other things. Because think about it. It started with Cain with what? Pride. And now it's anger and jealousy. And it's building up. In Psalm 37, 8, it says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And the, the questions that, that Cain are, are getting is to speak to his heart. It's like God is trying to tell Cain, Look, you, you have this condition, and here's the cure. It's to confess your sin. And he won't listen to the doctor. The second question that's there is, and why has your countenance fallen? Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? So he's gone from pride and arrogance to Cain wanting to do things his own way. And, and yet God is trying to show him mercy instead of justice because God could have easily shown him justice and dealt with it. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. For some reason, people think, well, I'm getting away with my sin. I'm going to keep doing it. God is just being slow. He's showing mercy. He can show justice. He's trying to get you to repent. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievance way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 would be a great prayer for you to pray tonight. Matter of fact, we'll close up with that prayer tonight. We need to be searched. We need those sins that, that, that we're not even recognizing to be revealed so we can confess them. We have to understand it's God that, that knows our internal struggles. He understands us. He's trying to, to, to help Cain. Then he says in verse, verse 7, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Again, he gives them another question. We know that sin, as we look at it, we know that sin begins at birth because of Adam. 
He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as one man's sin entered the world, and death through, the sin, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. We were all born with this sin nature because of Adam. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Where does sin stem? It actually is in the heart. In Mark chapter 7, verses 20 and 23, Jesus said, What comes out of the man that defiles a man from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, and all these evil things come from within and defile a man. So if we look at this, we know that what, what, what Cain has done is covetous. Because he wants, he wants to do things his way. He's got pride. He's already blasphemed God by bringing an offering that was not right. And so you know, kind of know what's going on in Cain's heart. And, and, and what, what's really sad about this is God's trying to give Cain a path of grace and mercy. And he won't take it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4-10, through 10, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made, uh, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest Anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He gives them the path. If you do, not, if you do well, will you not be accepted? He's like Cain. Just tell me the offering wasn't right. That's it. But you won't do that. He's like, you'll be accepted. But he says, if you, if you do not do well, right? Because he won't confess his sin. And, and it's sad because, you know, for us, we have the whole... Cain didn't have the whole story. We have the whole story. And you have the Holy Spirit. So there's no excuse for you. Like, you understand, like, when I'm, when I'm obedient to God, when I'm doing what God has called me to do, there's joy in that. There's blessings in that. There's grace. There's mercy. All of that's tied into confession of sin. All of that's tied into being obedient to God. And Cain won't do it. Everything that we've been called to do from the very beginning when Jesus started his ministry was to what? Repent. He says that right in Mark 1.15. He says, saying that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Repent. And that second path that he has there, it says that if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it's desire for you, but you shall rule over it. He's trying to tell him, look, Cain, there's two paths here. And that's, that's with us as well. There's two paths. There's the wide road and the narrow road.
And, and what happens for whatever reason, Christians get off the narrow road and start trying to make their way to the wide road. And yet God will pull them back. One of the things we have to understand is what happens with Cain as he stiffens his neck. Israel does this time and time again. And sometimes so do we. God has shown you something that needs to go and you will not let it go. You will not confess it. And it's affecting all these other areas in your life. It is no different than me taking a five gallon thing of water and dropping one drop of cyanide in it. And it will destroy your body if you drink it. That big thing of water and one drop of cyanide, that's sin. It destroys you from within. And God is trying to tell them you gotta, you gotta rule over it. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it.